0: holiday see it's personal Easter is personal because it's God saying to you and he's saying to me that I love you and this is how much I'm willing to go through to show you that I love you see Easter is about love and love is extremely powerful and so what we're talking about today in in our lesson is, is this whole idea a love that never dies you know there's a lot of uh romantics out there, and they talk about a love that never dies, but I got news for you, that love will die. It'll die. And I don't want to bring us down today, but I'm going to bring you down so I can bring you up, because we we need a reality check. See, a love that never dies can only come from God. But love is so powerful. I want you to look at this verse from Song of Songs. This is an expression of love between a husband and wife. A wife expressing her love to her husband. Look at look at this verse. It says, Song of Songs, verse, chapter 8, verse 6. She said, The wife says to Solomon, King Solomon, place me like a seal over your heart, a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. That's love. And that's her expressing. And she, she goes on speaking to Solomon, many waters cannot quench love. You know, you think about the floods that we had here in California and, and even in Northern California and how it was so powerful, it could break through just about anything. That's love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If were one to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. You want to pay me for love? Love is priceless. There's no amount of money. And that's what she is saying about her husband and describing love. I love this, this verse and these verses. But here's one more about God's love for us for his people over many, many years. Look at what he said to the people of Israel. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. It says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Now, there's a problem with this verse. God says his love for us is everlasting But let's be honest you and I are not everlasting see our life begins and our life ends and that's the hard part that's the sad part you know when you think about love we 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 struggle with this whole idea of you know hanging on you ever heard this phrase a lifetime guarantee you ever heard that Okay, so whose life are we talking about? (laughs) Talking about your life, my life. Whose life is this guarantee describing? It's describing somebody's life. But for you and me, love, it only has a lifetime guarantee. And that means when it's over, it's over. And this is our struggle, you and I. Even the woman who died yesterday, the oldest, officially, the oldest woman on the planet. I don't even know how they keep track of this, but her name was Emma Morano. And she lived in Italy. She was the last woman on the planet to be alive who was born in 1899. She was 117 years old. Even Emma can't say her love lasts forever and she outlived so many people but this is the challenge that you and I have and and for this reason this is you know we wrap our lives this is the the tension between us we we focus because we know that our lives are temporary we know that it's coming to an end we tend to grab things that are here and now we wrap our lives around things that are here and now let me love someone let me love something that I can hold on to here and now. And so there's this tension between the spiritual and the material. So everything that we have in our lives, people and relationships, our possessions, our pleasure, our family, our finances, our career, our health, living, we live for here and now. Why? Because we know our time is short. And we don't give a lot of attention to later. And for that reason, we struggle with spirituality. We struggle with it. I struggle with it. Because I know my time is short. Kind of like this mist that was here just a little while ago. It'll be gone. But there's a problem. See, because when you and I face a crisis, when we face something that is way outside of, of the here and now, when the material gets shaken, when it gets, when it gets moved around, and we face a crisis and we realize, man, I, I don't know how I can deal with this. Something happens. And so today I want to share with you this story, this event that happened with Jesus and these three people, Jesus, Mary, Lazarus, and Martha. And this is a perfect example of what you and I struggle with. I want to tell you a little background about Jesus and Mary. See, this is where the story began, Jesus and Mary. Mary, as, as the Bible tells us is in the Gospel of Luke, that Mary was a woman in trouble. You know, she was the, the sister of Martha, but she was the, the bad sheep, the bad egg. It was so bad that she was involved in a life of prostitution, many scholars. Every family can relate to this. There's always somebody in the family that's in trouble, right? And no, no uh, elbowing in the aisles. <laughs> Can I be honest with you guys? In my family, I was the one that was in a lot of trouble. See, but Jesus intervened with Mary. See, the whole family was, 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 was in such a mess because of Mary's life, the life that she was living, the life. It wasn't just about Mary hurting herself. What she did, the life that she was living affected Lazarus. It affected Martha. It affected the whole family. Jesus intervened and said, Mary, I want to show you a better way. And Mary wasn't even sure if she could be forgiven of all of her stuff. And Jesus said, yes, I will forgive you of all of your stuff on God's behalf. And Mary, the Bible tells us that she went into this house and she fell at Jesus' feet and she anointed his feet, his dirty, dusty feet with perfume, cried on his feet and washed his feet with her hair. That's how grateful she was. So this whole thing that happened, Jesus changed Mary's life, and guess whose life he also changed because he changed Mary's life. The whole family. Lazarus' life, Jesus fixed the family. And so here's where we're gonna pick it up, but it wasn't over. You know, when you got one problem, guess what happens? There's probably gonna be another one not too far away. Let's pick it up in John 11, verse 1. It says, now, a man named Lazarus was sick, Mary and Martha's brother. And I want you to know, when people got sick in the first century, it was lethal. They didn't have all, you know, the health care that we have today. He was from Bethany, a village, the village of Mary and her sister and Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now is laid sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So what does this tell you about Jesus and his relationship with his family? And this is important for us. Lazarus wasn't an apostle In fact, the scriptures tell us that he wasn't even in part of the the master plan of Jesus' mission and what he was trying to do. Lazarus was just a a guy that that was close to Jesus because of the relationship with Mary. And and so this tells us Jesus' love is not agenda-oriented. It's for anybody. It's for everybody. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. Remember these words. This sickness will not end death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So Jesus is telling us right here, he's got a plan, he's got an agenda. There's something that, that Jesus is up to right here. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There was a relationship. Again, I want to remind you, Martha, Mary. Lazarus were not a part of Jesus' his his entourage, his leadership group. They were just people. And Jesus loved those people. Just like he would love you and me. And Jesus it goes on to say so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the distance between Bethany and where Jesus was. It was more than a day's travel. So, in order for the people to send word that Lazarus was sick, it took them a day. That's one day. Then Jesus says, I'm going to wait two more days. So, we're now three days. So, for Jesus to get to where Lazarus was, four days. Total travel time. When somebody's really sick, how important is a day. It's crucial. And Jesus waited. Jesus waited two more days. And then he says, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, for Jesus to go back to Jerusalem in that area, I want you guys to know that there were death threats being placed on Jesus, and they were real, and they were fulfilled later. But it wasn't a little deal for Jesus to go back to Judea. In fact, his disciples said, hey, I don't know if it's a good idea, Jesus. They were just trying to stone you not that long ago. And we're going to go back there. I know Lazarus is your friend, and I know you love him. But this could ruin everything, this little trip. So Jesus goes. And here's the point with this whole thing is for Martha, Mary. Mary's life got fixed, but here we go to Lazarus. Lazarus is in a crisis He's struggling for his life. In fact, let me just go ahead and break it to you. Lazarus died. He passed. It's more than likely that he passed while they were sending word to Jesus. He was already dead by the time Jesus heard the word that your, your friend, the one you love, is sick. No, he's dead. Jesus knew it. And he waited two more days. Because I have a plan. I'm going to do something special. God will be glorified through this event. But I want you guys to understand this this reality of when faith and reality collide, it's going to happen to every single one of us. I don't want to prophesy doom in your life, but it's a reality. You and I are going to face things that are way outside of our control. We're going to lose a loved one. There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a crisis. And when we're living for the here and now, what do we do when we're so ill-equipped in that moment of when we need spirituality and we don't have it? When we're so wrapped up in our stuff and our activities and the, the here and now and then we come to church, you know, on an Easter or we come to church once in a while or, or we come to church every Sunday, what do you do when you're faced with a life and death situation? This was Reality. Mary's life was put together, but now they lost their brother. And they're devastated. So Jesus traveled. Fourth day, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So he died the day that he got the word. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss. Now, first century... Funerals and events like this were completely chaotic and over-dramatized. They paid people, they call them wailers, to mourn and cry out loud and sob. It, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of drama. And people did it on purpose. But if you're one of the ones that's feeling this loss, all that drama, it doesn't help. It makes it worse. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Maybe she was the quiet one. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Boy, that's a sting right there, isn't it? Jesus, if you've just been here, can Jesus be everywhere, at least in this time? No. No. My brother would not have died, but I know that even now, I I got faith, Jesus, in you. And this is really powerful that Martha said this. Martha is speaking faith right here. She's saying, listen, Jesus, I know that even now, I know that even now, you're going to do something good from this. I don't know what it is, but you got a special relationship with God. And I'm glad that I know you, Jesus. Jesus said to her, now this is This is intense. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will. I know he will. He will rise in the resurrection in the last day. Yeah, I know that. And, and the Jews had a similar belief system that there was going to be a life after death. But Jesus wasn't talking about that resurrection. He was talking about a net resurrection right now. Jesus said to her, I... Now, this is what I want you to hold on to today. If there's one thing I want you to grab today and you hold on to for your Easter basket or whatever you're going to put, you hold on to this. Jesus said this powerful statement to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. You remember the tension between the material and the spiritual? Who's going to fix that that abyss between our lives and the tension that we're living for here and now? And who's going to help us cross over to a spiritual life? Jesus. He's the bridge. He's the connection. He's the one that's going to help you focus on your spirituality. The one who believes in me, now this is a powerful promise, the one who believes in me will live even though he di- they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. If you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, Martha, it will be a love that never dies. Now I want you to parallel that with the love that you're putting in your life right now. Can we be honest? Your love will die. And Jesus is offering you a hand. He's saying, listen, I want to offer you a hand. And I want to show you a love that won't die. See, because what you're living right now, what you're living for and what you're living about is temporary. And I want to invite you into something that's eternal. I want to invite you to a love that will never die. And this is the big question that he asked. Mary, Martha, Martha, do you believe this? Let me ask you. Do you believe this? Be careful with yes. Be careful with yes, because we're going to evaluate that yes here in a little bit, okay? I need the evaluation the same as you. I'm not here to judge. We are here together to learn from Jesus about a love that never dies. Be careful with yes. Do you believe this? All right, let's see. Let's see together. You ready? Yes, Lord, she said. Now, this is a powerful statement that she says, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come in the world. This is an incredible confession that Martha just made. It's as powerful as Peter's. It's as powerful as any of Zacchaeus. It's as powerful, yes, Jesus, you're the one. I believe that. Verse 32, we jump down. When Mary reached the place, now Martha left and went for Mary. Now Mary comes up, the quiet one. Remember, her life had completely changed because because of Jesus. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. This is a powerful statement of humility. When's the last time you fell at somebody's feet? I can't remember when I fell at somebody's feet. I fell at God's feet many times, but I'm, that's an incredible statement of humility. She fell at his feet, and she said the same thing that Martha. Look at what she said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And this is an overflow of pain. I wish we could fix this problem, Jesus. And you fixed me. You changed me. You've, you've transformed my life. And if you'd have been here, I know this could have been different. And now Lazarus is gone, and he's been gone for how long? Four days. Four days. Verse 33, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with him, remember the chaos, all the weeping, all the loud, crying and everything. When Jesus saw this, he was deeply moved in spirit. He was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Now let me ask you a question here. Why was Jesus troubled if he already knew how this story was going to end? Why was he troubled? Why was he disturbed? Why did he cry if Jesus knew that he already had this plan? And I want you guys to know Jesus had this scripted from the beginning. Lazarus is going to die. I'm going to raise him from the dead this will be the, the, the most powerful miracle that's ever been done. Jesus raised people from the dead on other occasions. There was a widow who lost her son. That was within 24 hours. There was a, 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 a guy who was overseeing the temple. His name was Jairus. He lost his daughter. Jesus raised her from the dead. But four days? Do you know what happens to a body that's not embalmed? In four days, do you know that your body immediately starts to decompose when your heart stops? And so they embalm people today so they won't decompose so quickly. But if you don't embalm somebody, man, it's, it's going to happen. And in a hot climate, Jesus wants to know where he's laid and he, he cries. What's this tell you about Jesus' heart? that he loves people. He knows how the whole thing's going to play out, but he connects with our, their pain. Jesus doesn't love from afar. He doesn't need to feel your pain, but he does. Jesus loves close up. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was in the cave where the stone laid across in the entrance. Take away the stone, he said but lord martha said the sister of the dead man by this time there's a bad odor for he's been here for four days his body's decomposing jesus then jesus said didn't i tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god didn't i tell you martha are you ready for what's coming So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up. And and I love this because Jesus didn't have to say it out loud, but he prays out loud for whose benefit. Then he looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But Jesus said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. Do you know why all this story is recorded for us? For the same reason. Jesus prayed out loud for our benefit. John recorded this gospel for whose benefit? For our benefit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all recorded the events of Jesus for whose benefit? Our benefit. So that you would believe. So that you would stop putting your faith in material things in the here and now and then you could, you could cross over with Jesus and start putting your faith and become a spiritual person instead of a material person. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Now, I love this. He, he, he calls out, Lazarus, come out of there. The dead man came out. This is, like, this is like a movie, okay? He comes out looking like a zombie. And literally in this area, they, a mummy. He was a mummy. He was all wrapped up. He came out, his hands and feet were wrapped up with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. And Jesus said to take off those grave clothes and let him go. He's alive again. He wasn't a zombie, he was alive. Let the party begin. Let's throw a banquet. I want you to understand something. Jesus did something so powerful there was an after effect right after this event. Read it for yourself. Highly encourage you to get into your Bible and read so that you can really believe so that you can know what you believe. Get into the scriptures right after this event. They put a bounty on Jesus' head. He's got to go. Cuz this thing is getting out of control. They're going to know there were so many people who saw this. There's no way to deny it. we we got we to take care of this. we got to stop Jesus. And the only way to stop Jesus because he's going to take over everything. There was a political tension between the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and Rome. And they came together in agreement to take Jesus out. And they were successful. But not only did they want to take Jesus out, who else did they want to take out in the very next chapter? Lazarus. Let's kill Jesus and let's kill the evidence of the most powerful, powerful miracle that anyone's ever seen, a four-day resurrection. That's unheard of. Let's kill him too. Then we can wipe this out. So I want to talk about this crossover. See, because I know a lot of you are here at church, and I did it too for a long time. I was, I was bribed. To come to church because of a meal with my mom, and you got to come to church, son, if you want that ham, and if you want that turkey, if you want that special meal, and and so you know, in that light, in that light, I, I really want to bring out some special treats because I think this will make a point. Okay, to, to Easter's about treats, right? Little kids are going to have them, but I got these two these two treats right here. Woo! You know, I, I've got a donut. Here, and and this donut looks so good. I I had little Ryan, he was in the back and he was looking at his donut and he wanted this donut. I don't want you to notice something about this donut. It has sprinkles on top. There's a serious side to this. You know, a lot of us, when it comes to our lives, Jesus is sprinkled on top. He's not on the inside. He's not even all the way over. It's just frosting and sprinkles. We want to sprinkle Jesus on our lives. Just a sprinkle. So I'll be around with Jesus. I'll wear a pendant. I'll go to church once in a while. And I'm not just speaking to you guys. You think I'm putting you in the spot. You guys are a guest. I'm talking to our members also. Are you trying to sprinkle your life with Jesus? See, the reason you sprinkle your life with Jesus you because you're, you're more about here and now and not understanding this. I love cake, man, I love cake. But I especially love, guys, I love layer cake. Okay, you ready? See, I gotta show you because this cake, it has frosting all over it and it has frosting... In the middle. It's it's layered. Do you understand? It's layered. It has it has frosting all over it and it has frosting in the middle. What kind of relationship does Jesus want with us? Remember when he asked Martha? Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? Careful with a yes. See, because if you really believe, then, then Jesus is not just going to be the, the, the sprinkles on your life. Jesus is going to be all over your life. That means the relationships that you have, Jesus is all over that. You build your relationships around the principles and the teachings of Jesus. Your family is all about including Jesus in the decisions of your family, Jesus is all about your finances. How you use money. Oh, yes, he taught about that extensively. But do you even consider, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my money? If you don't, then guess what? Here you are. You're just sprinkling Jesus in the areas that it's convenient for you. See, then you really can't say you really believe. Your career, well, they don't don't jive work, spiritual life. No, 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 they do. And in the coming weeks, we're going to do a whole series about faith in work at work. See, we need to include Jesus' education. You know, you got some students in here. You know, it's important you include Jesus in your studies. It's important you include Jesus in your health, in your recreation. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Jesus in my recreation? Absolutely. Jesus needs to be. He needs to be all over and in the things that you do. And in that way, you can say, "I believe." See, I put so much trust in Jesus that I want him in every part of my life and helping people. The reason why I want to be focused on helping people is because it's what Jesus would have done. So in order for us to truly, truly experience this tension between the material And the spiritual, we've got to cross over. Jesus builds that bridge for us so we can cross over. We couldn't cross over before the resurrection. Now we can. Thanks to Jesus, we can cross over. We can now include Jesus in all these areas of our lives, but we have to, like Mary in that very famous time, we have to sit at Jesus' feet and listen, and listen to what he's teaching us and what he's saying to us. I love this verse. Not a verse, but this quote by Andy Stanley. Following Jesus makes your life better, and it makes you better at life. See, following Jesus, it makes all these things that that we looked at, it makes them better, and it makes you better at these things. So why would you do it the wrong way? Look at this verse. Now, let let me remind you. Who rose Lazarus from the dead? Who raised him? He spoke to him. Jesus did it. Now, you know this because it's why we're celebrating today. Who rose Jesus from the dead? Any idea? It says it right here. Look. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, who rose Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit. If he rose him from Jesus from the dead, he's living in you. How would you like to have that same power in your life that, that rose Jesus from the dead so that you don't have to walk around like a zombie? Why do people like that show anyway? <laughs> dead men walk, what's, this, what's the show? Walking the Walking Dead. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. I want to be alive. I'm not interested in dead people walking around. But many of us are in that condition. See, our heart is dead. We're in so much pain. We're in so much indifference and cynicism. And it's just like, we're just going through life. Jesus says, I want to raise that life. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in who? And you, if, if. If you are a follower of Jesus, this isn't for anybody. This is just for the people like Martha who decided to say, Jesus, I believe, therefore I'm going to put everything, I'm going to be all about cake, you're going to be all over me, and you're going to be in me. I want you involved in every part of my life. Then we celebrate the resurrection. I want you to to watch this very short video, and then we're going to wrap it up. Too many of us, we're treating faith and religion like a position, a political position, or a belief position on social media. We like a post, so we take that side. We don't like a post, we take the other side. You, You can't go at faith like that. You, you have got to take responsibility for knowing what you believe. You've got to dig. There's a movie that just came out, April 7, that's called Case for Christ. Can you flip it back? Mike? Mike? Thank you. This is so important. I want you to watch this video because it's a, it's a trailer for the movie that's come out. It's called Case for Christ. This is a real story of a guy who worked for the Chicago Tribune, and his approach was, his wife became a Christian, and he was, he was so mad, he was furious, that he'd went on a quest to disprove Christianity. Bad idea. Let's watch the clip, this is a real story, a, a movie about a real story. If somebody wanted to do an investigation into Christianity,
1: where would you start? If the, the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, it's a house of cards. You sure you wanna give me that loaded gun? I'm pretty sure you're not gonna be able to pull the trigger. I spent my entire career
2: as a journalist uncovering the truth until the day my wife presented me with the biggest story of my life i'm not going to lose my wife and my kids to something that i can't even reason with and what happened next
1: changed me forever how can we even talk about historical evidence for the resurrection the gospels are filled
0: with contradictions the empty tomb is based on evidence. And is it evidence your trade?
1: We all bet our lives on something. The
0: question is, what's it going to be?
3: As much as I would like to help out a fellow skeptic, what you're proposing is
1: impossible. Could Jesus survive being spiked to the cross? There is no evidence of anyone ever surviving a full woman crucifixion. Just because I write something down and I bury it in the dirt, that doesn't make it true.
2: What I felt was something more real than anything I've ever felt in my life.
3: I'm praying
1: for you. Do you really want to know the truth, or is your mind already made up? Stop blaming me,
0: and the church, and God, and do your job.
2: the shroud is the actual burial cloth of the Christ, but whenever someone looks in those eyes for the first time, suddenly becomes a real person.
0: So I'm not getting paid to get you to go to the movie. The point is this, Lee Strobel had to do his own research. There was a guy when I was uh, studying the Bible, his name was Josh McDowell, and he also went after the idea of d- to-, to discredit Christianity, to basically prove it's wrong, that it's false. Guess what happened to him? Became one of the most, you know, decorated apologetics teachers of evidence of Christianity because he, and he became a disciple, followed Jesus. But see too many of us we want to rely on social media for our position and our faith and it's like hey really it can't be sprinkles it can't be like this your faith can't be sprinkles your your faith has to be deep it has to and you have to spend some time in the word studying learning getting to know this just to study this past week on this event really again 30 plus years I'm still learning Jesus said this, and we're going to take the communion and move on with our service. You can get about your day. Jesus said this to her, reminding us what he said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing will never die. Do you believe this? I want to read something to you. That, that really kind of defines my faith. And what I want to say to, to all of us today is I believe in heaven. I believe in the afterlife. I believe that when I die, that's just the beginning. The show's not over. But I believe that something more. I actually believe that that it, show, it simply shows, that the show continues to go on. In other words, if you end up next to Jesus in the next life, it's because you're already close to him now. But in the next life, if you find yourself far from Jesus, it's because you are far from him now. And since Jesus announced that his, this love, the kingdom of God, is available to every man, every woman, every child... If we find ourselves far from God, it's because either we don't know that God's love is here and now, and it's for us, or else we simply have chosen not to live with that priority. I hope that today can be a day that you decide to rearrange some things. See, our world's in trouble right now, and I believe it a lot of the reason because if we are in trouble is because God is not a part of us We're so focused on on stuff in the here and now. It's clouding our vision and our priorities. So we're gonna pray for the communion and we're gonna take the communion right now to remember what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Father, for this time that we can take the communion and remember Jesus. I pray, Father, that you'll please help us to put our focus and our eyes on Jesus who gave it all. God, we take the communion right now, the bread and the the grape juice to remind us of his body and his blood that were poured out for us to show us how much you love us and you want to bring us over. God, we pray that we can wrap our lives with Jesus, his teaching. Help us, forgive us, and be with us. Thank you and bless this communion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Hello, everyone. Right now, uh, before we get to the end of our service today and we close out with a song, uh, we're going to be participating in a time of giving. And if you're visiting with us today, this is something that we do every week because we are grateful. I said we are grateful. We are a grateful church. And uh, we're grateful for Christ's resurrection and victory over death. We're grateful for all that God has given each and every one of us. And this is just an opportunity that we have to support what God is doing here in this church, and uh, I want to invite you to, be, to prepare for the offering and invite our guest services to get into place, um, and I want to share a passage with you. It's in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, there we go. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And uh, in these verses, Paul is talking about the resurrection, that it shows that Jesus has power over everything. Over everything, Jesus has power. He is before all things. And that his death on the cross brought us peace. And when I think about the resurrection, it reminds me that Jesus really does have power over everything in our lives. He has power even over our fear, over the things that scare us. Jesus has authority over death itself. And Jesus also has authority over things like your job, your family, your finances. And the same Jesus that could not be ruled by death is big enough to intervene in your life's problems today. I mean, if Jesus could rise from the grave, then he's powerful enough to help us in our families and in our finances. Can I get an amen? Amen. You see, giving involves faith, and it's a trust that God is in control. It's faith that the same God who has authority over the grave, he will take care of you. So today I want to encourage you to give in faith, trusting God, and believing that he is in control, because Paul, like he said, he says he holds all things together. Pray with me at this time. Father, thank you that this morning we get to give back to you. God, you are the greatest giver there has ever been and ever will be. You have given us so much. You've given us your son, Jesus, that he gave his life on a cross for us. And I pray that our response, as as generous as you are, Father, that we would be generous in response, not just monetarily or when we give. This is such a small part, but in our lives and in our love, with our time, with every part of our life, God, that we would layer you all over and inside of everything that we do. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, before uh, we close out with the song this morning, uh, our guest services are gonna be handing out these cards, and these are for all of our guests, and uh, I wanna ask that you would fill out one of these cards today. Um, Fill out your name, fill it out, and uh, after service, you can take it to our welcome table, and at our welcome table, uh, we have a gift for you, Uh, that we want to give you today and so um, please stop by our welcome table afterwards Uh, we have something for you and we'd love to meet you and get to know you just a little bit more Uh, we hope that you have a great Easter celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and uh, right now we're going to close with a final song thank you
0: Okay, that's the conclusion of our service. I hope you have an incredible Easter with your family, with your friends. Uh, Just get out there and enjoy it, but make sure you keep Jesus in the middle. I have one request. We're going to be setting up for our 11 a.m. service, so if